The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And, you know, thanks again. We've heard from many of you, our listeners here at AI Today podcast. And as mentioned, you've been going strong since 2017, our fifth year, you know, maybe soon rolling into our sixth year. I can't even believe I'll be saying that soon. Holy cow. Over 260 episodes. And as you know, our focus since the very beginning has been about who is doing what and how are they doing what with AI today. You know, there are a lot of podcasts that talk about AI tomorrow and the research. And there's a lot of people that even talk about AI yesterday and the past and maybe some ideas and thoughts and fears and theories around AI. But AI Today podcast is all about people who are trying to make AI work today, here and now, all the challenges, all the problems, all the issues. And, And this is why, you know, in podcasts like this, we like to hear directly. Sometimes you've heard enough from us, like to hear directly from folks who are really practitioners putting AI together in the field. And, and as and recently, we've been doing a lot of interviews with some of our folks who have really been implementing AI, especially with best practices. Right. So we're really excited to have with us today, Christine Jennings, who is Project Lead Business Systems Analyst at Centene. Christine, who also goes by KJ, so we'll be calling her KJ throughout the uh, interview today, is also CPMAI certified. So we're really excited to have her with us today so we can you know, dig a little bit deeper into uh, learning how she's been applying CPMAI in the real world and uh, you know, some of the challenges that she's helped overcome. So welcome, KJ, and we're so excited to have you with us. Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I do go by KJ. Um, And as far as my background goes, it's kind of split, really. Um, I spent my first six years in banking, um, the last five years in healthcare, um, because I really have a passion with healthcare. And so I made that transition. But um, I was able to use a lot of the really great skills that I learned in banking, um, specifically around technical payment processing implementations, um, analysis, with client transactional data, operational data, and also uh, global anti-money laundering investigational data um, and reporting out to federal regulators and our global anti-money laundering committee, along with process re-engineering um, to really boost uh, a good career in healthcare. And so when I made that transition, um, I initially went into compliance auditing, um, but very quickly that turned into uh, all my prior experience with um, analysis, technical implementations and process and process re-engineering. And so here I am today, um, you know, as you mentioned, Project Lead BSA for Centene, um, specifically uh, with a joint group um, that hosts business side um, with our data scientists and IT doing work alongside each other um, for the most efficient uh, product, or I should say most efficient process and uh, most valuable product for our business owners. Yeah, I think that's great. And, you know, certainly I think a lot of our listeners have been hearing a lot about the healthcare industry in particular. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, you know, uh, I know when we when we started out and with AI today, we were we looked at every industry. We even had, had podcasts talking about AI and construction and fashion and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. But healthcare has come up a lot recently, not intentionally, yes. 
think there's a lot of data challenges, right? Yeah. In, uh, in healthcare. And, uh, you know, I think, I think to like, to that point, you know, maybe, maybe we'll, that leads into our next question about like, what are the challenges that you see that you're seeing with data, managing data and AI projects, maybe in general across all of your history, but maybe if you want to dig a little bit deeper into what you're seeing in healthcare, given your uh, experience there as well. Yeah, sure. So um, I think you really need to look at it from two lenses. Um, one is the business side challenges, and then the other is the technical. So as you mentioned, you know, with data specifically um, on the business side, I guess um, a good way to put it would be, um, you know, having the right data for the question that you're asking, um, I think is important, right? And so being able to identify the data source um, where it's coming from, what we're actually capturing, and making sure that kind of aligns with what you're trying to do is, is a difficult part of working through these AI projects. Um, additionally, I would say that on the business side, uh, yes, you were right that uh, AI, machine learning, uh, robotics is all coming along in the healthcare space. Um, but I think it's still not as well known. And, and my uh, my coworker, she's hilarious. She says there's this term, she uses this term called voodoo math, uh, where she thinks business owners, you know, kind of look at us and go, oh, we're basically doing rocket science here. You're doing voodoo math. I don't know what you're doing. And so not having that industry uh, knowledge, right? Like everybody knows how reporting goes. And I think that's pretty easy to understand. But, you know, how we do our business and being able to translate that to business owners becomes a challenge, right? Um, so that's a natural barrier for folks who don't really understand uh, the work that we do. Um, along with that is also the capabilities and quite frankly, the time expectations. And so what I mean by that is the delivery time expectations. And so on the business side, um, having come from that world, I'm so used to deadlines versus, okay, we're going to go ahead and make a project or we have this idea and we know when we're going to start, but we're going to focus on the quality of the delivery and not focus on the time as opposed to the opposite, which typically happens on the business side, which is you have a deadline, you have to meet it regardless. And so just having that um, kind of understanding upfront with business owners can, um, you know, make things a lot smoother when it comes to project implementation. So, I mean, I think those are some of the biggest challenges on the business side. And then, you know, as far as the technical goes, um, I think there's a couple of different issues there um, or different challenges, I should say, is uh, first and primarily, and you talk about this in your, your CPMAI training, which is awesome, uh, is how do, you know, data scientists or, you know, AI, machine learning and robotics folks work alongside with IT and how does that fit into the work that IT does, right? Because typically we think of IT running on some sort of, agile or scaled agile framework. And so how does that fit in with the work that they do um, is one challenge. And then being able to balance your time efficiently as a practitioner. And what I mean by that is typically we think of a practitioner working directly with the business, creating a model and giving it back. And so that in and of itself, I mean, it makes subject matter experts, but it does create a barrier because you have IT in the mix. You have, um, you know, oftentimes business uh, reporting or business intelligence in the mix. And so what you don't want to do is have a practitioner do their model, 
then hand it off to IT, then hand it off to business intelligence, because you're looking at very long delivery times for the project to be actually utilized. And so I think those are some of the biggest challenges, but um, I will say this because I'm a pretty positive person. <laughs> so uh, from the, it's not all bad, right? So from the positive side, it's not all bad because I think that specifically, as you mentioned, Ron, um, healthcare is an interesting industry where this applies. And so having clinicians involved in data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics, um, you know, specifically like doctors, pharmacists, nurses, they are mathematically inclined. And um, a lot of them have been exposed to the basics of like statistics, for example. And so that's a very easy translation for them. And so I think there's an advantage specifically in the clinical space versus other industries that we can um, very much equate it to real world use for them. So it does make it easier. You know, I like how you said when you're starting to hand projects off, the timeline can just start going crazy. And we agree. That's why we believe in those short iterative sprints. Don't take off more than you can chew because right. then, you know, I recently heard this term wagile, which is a waterfall and agile combination where companies oh, want to be agile, but they're not. <laughs> and so they pretend they are, and then they become yep. this wagile. And yeah. that's that. That's not helpful, right? Especially for no, Kathleen. no, it's not helpful, Kathleen. And and just to add to that comment, um, I've been in that environment more than once, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody because it's a very confusing way to do business, and it's just not efficient. I agree. You know, they were saying, let's take the worst of waterfall and the worst of agile and then combine Literally. them together. And then that's the methodology that we're using. And we say, Literally. please don't. Um, so with, you know, best practices, we say, uh, don't do that. And CPMAI yeah. teaches you those short iterative sprints and tells you don't take off, um, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Really make sure that you're delivering within two weeks. And so you need to make sure you're scoping your projects correctly. Also, that means that you need to make sure you understand how to talk to different teams because mm -hmm. things can get lost in, you know, handoffs. And if people are not all educated on what's going on, it, you know, it can cause disaster pretty quick with uh, not meeting deliverables. So how has CPMAI helped you better manage and run data and AI projects and be able to talk to both the business and technical teams? Sure. So uh, from my perspective, it's a combination of the skill sets that I've been taught over the years. And so CPMII actually became a really good complement to my PMP certification, to my Six Sigma certification, um, mainly because it tied everything together, right? Because in, in when you're going through PMP and, and you're going through the classes and learning, um, they're very what's the word for it? They're, they're very um, one or the other. So you've got waterfall or agile. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, business do that whole agile thing. And that's just, that's not comfortable for anybody. But at the end of the day, um, CPMAI just really helped enhance that understanding of the agile side, because I think in the past, um, and newer practitioners in, in PMP might feel a little bit differently than I do, because the industry has gone in a, a more agile direction. Um, but when I was going through, and this was only three, four years, no, three years ago, um, it wasn't as agile focused. And so it was focusing on waterfall and it was very difficult to switch mindsets um, unless you were working in technology. And so that made it a little bit challenging. Where CPA, CPMAI came in is 
a couple of different um, boosts I saw. Um, one is business, right? So you mentioned how do I talk to the business and how did that help, right? So being able to speak more intelligently about the offerings that AI machine learning um, are capable of, even in a basic and fundamental level, I think is really valuable. Um, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that, uh, or a shameless plug, not limb, but shameless plug. I have a huge um, interest and, and very much um, involved in the female community. So women in STEM and, and what we're doing internally. And so I see CPMAI as a bridge, to be quite frank. Um, I think if you have women, I'm saying women specifically because the majority of folks that I've worked with are women who have a PMP who are project manager types, um, might be nervous, I mean, I guess to say, because I know I was nervous, so I can speak from personal experience. Coming from the business side and even having um, the, the analytical and technical implementations background, I still always worked in business right? I wasn't more IT focused. I wasn't more like data science focused. And so what the certification CPMAI helped do is give me the confidence to be able to speak more intelligently and connect the dots between my PMP and um, this new industry that I was going to. So again, going back to the shameless plug of women, I think this is a really good opportunity for women to look at the certification, to give them the knowledge and the strength to make the transition to this industry and help get them into tech if they're not in a tech role already. Um, because I think a lot of us feel like, oh, IT is just this black box or you know, technical roles are just this black box where I'm going to be coding and, and doing analytics all day. And that's just not the case. There's a lot of admin type roles that are available. And so that to me it, it is the selling point is that it gives women specifically, all people, but women specifically a, a entry point for this industry. Um, so being able to speak more intelligently again, you know, giving me the confidence and the knowledge to be able to ask better and more clarifying questions up front from our business owners. Um, but then on the technical side, it's really helped um, give me a line of sight into our team's strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities. And what I mean by that is if you're working with business customers um, internally, externally, whatever, um, you can't really do that effectively as someone who's a relationship manager, project manager, or you know anything of the sort, unless you have a fundamental understanding of what your teams are capable of. Because I don't want to be at the front talking to people and saying, oh, we can do X, Y, and Z when really our capabilities aren't there yet. Maybe it will be in the future, but it's not there now. And so giving that line of sight, understanding what products we can truly offer at this time versus what's a stretch assignment, right? Um, and where do we want to go in the future to help our teams get the knowledge and education that they want to so we can grow our business? Um, that The certifications really helped me identify that along with delivering stronger use cases and um, finally, I would say, you know, giving me the ability to look at our product and really look at a roadmap, designing a roadmap with our leader um, for where we are and where we want to go. 
You know, it's really great to hear that. And for our listeners that may not know CPMAI, I realized we didn't spell it out. So it's the Cognitive Project Management for AI, CPMAI methodology. And it's been around now for a number of years. Uh, you know, we started uh, this in 2017. It's been, it's built upon decades old, crisp DM and agile. So it's, you know, taking the best of all of that and then helping make it a little bit more AI focused. So it's nice to hear, you know, real world use cases, how it's being implemented, and also actually the breakdown of, of you know, male versus female uh, people who have been certified is fairly split. So it's really nice to hear, you know, you think that it's helping empower you um, and our, for our audience that, you know, know that this isn't, you know, heavily dominated in one or the other side, which actually is really nice what, you know, when I think about it, that. Uh, both people, you know, everybody has felt empowered to take CPMAI and say, this can really help me in my career and to not feel intimidated or prohibited by going into it. So it's really nice to hear that, you know, you think that this can help empower women and that it's not actually, you know, something that's holding people back from doing it. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're, um, you're hitting the nail on the head that if we can help people get to where they want to go and feel more confident in working in this space, I mean, I think that's the ultimate goal, right? It's not just a benefit for women. I say women because I am one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's been really wonderful. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And we've really observed a, a quite, a, quite a bit of diversity in terms of representation across the board in our from our CPMEI certified community and project management community, I think has really been Really very nice, honestly, to see it. And also diversity in roles. We've seen uh, non-technologists, uh, people in compliance and in legal and in yeah. folks in, in HR even, you know, realizing that there's a data impact uh, on their jobs. I think everybody's realizing the data impact uh, on their jobs and how much they are part of the process, even though they've never thought of themselves as part of the process. It's like, yeah, you're implementing some end-to-end thing that requires automation and analytics, uh, uh, some sort of predictive thing. And uh, as you mentioned, clinicians, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's part of this process, which is unique. Um, And that's what makes CPMAI and things like this different, because we've had methodologies for coding and app development and for iteration, but it's very much been focused on the functionality and driving towards the implementation. Whereas what what we all have learned over the past many decades is that data-driven projects like AI are less about the the implementation of functionality because data spreads throughout all the systems. So we have to think about it much more systemically. And of course, we have these these issues. So that's one of the things we are uh, trying to do. And that's also part of why when we do CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Manager for AI Methodology, we don't actually assume that people have any particular deep technical knowledge on AI, data science. Those things can be useful if they are useful in your role. Uh, but if you are involved in this process and you're not, you know, hammering out machine learning algorithms or you're not, you know, building data engineering pipelines, there's only there's, you need to know what you need to know to make it work. We encourage everybody to learn as much as they want and as much as they can. It sort of leads me into really the next question about skills, because skills development is a challenge. It's hard to find uh, great people. It's hard to retain great people. Uh, economies are being very strange these days. Mm. So, so really my question is like, you know, how has, you know, the CPMI certification, how have you seen it growing skills, both for yourself? How do you see it complementing the skills and other certifications you have? And just in general, kind of where do you, where do you see skills development going and where do you see skills development still needed? 
Yeah, that's a that's a wonderful question. So, um, you know, again, back to the PMP, I think specifically with PMPs, um, actually, you know what, I'm going to clarify that statement. I'm going to say PMPs and anyone in like that Six Sigma lean world process improvement process engineering world, it really helps connect the dots of not just how experiments are done, what statistical methods at a basic level, right, are done. It really helps um, put it together as one whole picture because, quite frankly, I, I look at CPMI very much like um, a blend between the two of them, um, but giving you better insights into the industry at the same time of how to do things more effectively. And so strengthening, um, I think, the understanding of analytics and how it's done today, right, because back in the day, I'm going to say back in the day, right, <laughs> five, six years ago, I was an analyst. Um, but being disconnected from that role for so many years, um, you know what you know from back then, but you don't know what the industry is doing today. So I think it helps bring me up to speed, right? Um, like specifically in the certification talks about uh, data cleansing. I think uh, that that was near and dear to my heart when I saw it. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so it, it kind of helped me bring, bring up to speed on that. Also kind of reminded me about the experimentation that we do in Six Sigma, um, you know, that we have to have patience, um, we have to have try, trial and error, and you know it's not always going to result in what we want right off the bat. And so, you know, having that, um, and just you know, help me helping me better define my career path. And as far as um, I think your other question, Ron, if I, if I heard correctly, was about you know gaps. Was that correct? Yeah, because I think people are, are having challenges, and sometimes a little bit of. Um anxiety when they're thinking about these AI and data projects. They're like, oh, we don't have we don't have the skills we need. We can't even get started. You know, there's a lot of that sort of fear of the unknown. And it is difficult to find, you know, highly skilled data scientists and things like that. But a lot of times you don't necessarily, you know, need them to make uh, progress on projects. So maybe you could talk a little bit about where are you seeing the current gaps and maybe how you see them changing, anything that you've observed in, in your projects or just from others in the industry. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I think in terms of gaps, um, I'm going to go back to what I stated earlier about people who are not in the industry being able to come over very easily with something like this. Um, I'm going to hammer that one in. I So right now, you did say earlier, uh, the industry is weird with regards to hiring and, and folks wanting to stay. Um, so one, AI, machine learning, um, you know, the whole industry is here to stay, in my opinion. Um, but... It also comes with its challenges, um, is finding people who actually work in the industry that are knowledgeable enough to, to do some of these roles. So working with a customer, I'm not talking about just data scientists or AI or engineers or anything like that. Like the technical piece, you can find people who specifically do that type of work. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the other part, the people who are managing the work. Um, you might have very highly qualified people who, like my instance, have an analytics background, but don't have AI at all. Well, my leadership took a, they took a huge gamble on me that not having any background in, you know, AI, machine learning, nothing. I mean, they literally looked and said, okay, well, KJ's got this project management background. She's got relationship management and analytics. And so we're going to take the shot on her, but I don't know how many teams would, Right. And so by having, you know, this knowledge, um, this, that's the gap is being able to identify 
people who have more potential than hard skills. And so something like this, you know, you know, learning like this helped me come over. I I took it, you know, I'm going to openly admit this and I don't often openly admit things uh, when I'm scared, but I was scared taking this job. I was like, you know what, this is freaking me out a little bit. Am I going to do okay? Am I, am I what they want? I, you know, I've never worked in it. I've never worked in data science, science. What's, what's AI? Like I literally came in with none of that, except for the fact that I Google searched it. It looked really cool. And that's why when I say from business side, I'm secretly talking about myself, um, looking at it like rocket science when I came in. And so it really, that's the gap, but being able to identify people with potential and then giving them that knowledge once they get there, I think, you know, with the right attitude and the right, um, willingness to learn, this is an industry that you could definitely learn to be in. Yeah. You know, I mean, we always love to hear that and that, that is great. You know, I think you do need to take risks in your career and you need to also invest in yourself. And that's exactly what you did with CPMAI, you know, invest in yourself, spend a little bit of money, a little bit of time, you can get CPMAI certified, and then you can take those jobs, those, you know, leap jobs or kind of risk jobs, Mm -hmm. goal jobs that maybe you wouldn't have necessarily applied for in the past. So that's an incredible testimonial to hear, you know, how you invest in yourself and then yeah. look at you, you get to move forward, really power forward in your career that would not have been possible otherwise. So that's awesome to hear. Very true. So this has been such a wonderful you know, interview. We, we always love talking to folks um, in our CPMAI community. So thank you so much. This has been yeah. wonderful. We always like to end our podcasts with asking all of our guests the same question. And no matter how many times we've asked, we always get different answers. And I love to hear everybody's take on this question. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations and beyond? Sure. So for me, um, I I mentioned earlier, I'm a very positive person. So you're going to hear mostly positive. I'm really going to try to be negative too and give you a realistic view, but uh, I don't know how successful I'm going to be. So for your listeners, uh, I don't know if I'd put much stock in the negative, but you know, you can take with it what you want, whatever resonates. Um, But in terms of the positive, you know, I see a lot of bright future in this side. I think that with the enablement of this type of technology, quite frankly, um, along with business intelligence teams, we'll have a look forward and a look back in, into every industry. And so being able to see, I don't want to say like crystal ball, see the future, but with, with a certain amount of liability, being able to say, okay, um, can we make better decisions with this information? I think the answer is yes. And specifically in healthcare, I think it allows for more scalability with programs that are being designed to help our either patients or members, depending on what part of the industry you're in, right? And so when you have enhanced decision-making systems, it gives you not only the confidence, but also the information you need um, to tailor the programs to the people who are receiving it, right? So in my industry, for example, we design programs to help people bridge gaps in their healthcare needs. So let's say someone who's a diabetic, for example, who needs to get medications or needs treatment. You know, with this type of information, 
we can be more individual and intentional about our outreaches and how we connect with these people, right? Are we connecting with them at the right time in the right way, getting them the right tools to help them manage their conditions or even, you know, get healthier so they don't have that condition. And so, you know, scalability of those programs, I think this type of analysis um, allows for that. It also allows for much better collaboration um, with regards to specifically like the modelers, business intelligence and technology. Um, And overall, as people learn more and more that we're not, you know, as my coworker hilariously puts it, voodoo math, we're not doing voodoo math. It's just really cool ways of doing math and statistics, right? And I know that's oversimplifying, but For the people who don't do it every day, I think that's a good way to put it, right? It it reduces the fear of the unknown and specifically something that you mentioned in the, um, as a section in the training, right, is ethical and responsible AI. I think when people hear artificial intelligence, they think, um, I always think of that movie, The Eye, um, where, where they're following people around via cameras and like the whole thing takes over the world and, you know, that the computer is telling us what to do and not having an understanding that AI is not just AI. We need to do it in an ethical manner. So we don't even, you know, we're not even thinking about that point, right? There's my negative. We're not even thinking about getting there. So being able to do it ethically and responsibly, um, And on the negative side, and and again, you know, take this for what it is, if it resonates with you, um, it's more of a barrier than it is a negative. It's that if teams cannot come together, um, you know, under an umbrella of efficiently doing their work, for example, using CPMAI, um, crisp, you know, not crisp DM, but, you know, using that combination approach of agile crisp DM, then I do fear that much like other teams, and you can go research this. There's, there's a lot of um, scholarly articles around this, around teams that try to do data science and IT together and they fail. Um, I do fear that folks will keep trying to do things the old ways and they're going to fail. And then they're going to blame the failure on the fact that, well, this is a new industry or this is something we've never done before or literally any other reason. Um, other than the fact that you're not managing the work in an efficient manner to get what you want at the end of the day. And so um, that's really the, you know, the negative is if you don't take these steps and, and try to integrate um, with new ways of doing things. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, we spent actually spent a lot of time talking about the failures of AI mm-hmm. and, and because there's been many statistics out there, many, many uh, reporting news articles and analysts and all those folks talking yeah. about the high failure rate. And for those of our listeners that may, may be tuning into this for the first time, we actually have a failure series of podcasts, about 10 or so podcasts we did on all the main major reasons why AI um, projects fail. And uh, so I encourage you to go back and listen to them. Definitely subscribe to this AI Today podcast because we re- we definitely come back to these ideas. That's everything from, you know, the obvious ones, bad data, not enough data and things around, uh, you know, misalignment of expectations and uh, the ROI of the project is not justified by the investment. And even mm-hmm. things like vendors, you know, bad vendor selection and vendors doing crazy things. You can't don't definitely don't spend your time listening to them. There's a bit of a uh, of a lot of change going on right now, actually, in that space, especially now with the uh, economic pressures are causing vendors to, to do some things that may not be so great. So listen to all of those um 
podcast for sure. But a lot of it actually does come down to this same thing, KJ, which Mm -hmm. you're talking about, which is basically managing and running things right. Because when you're in an environment of constant change, when you have technologies that still have a lot of unproven elements, when you are dealing with a fundamental resource, and that's data, that is just notoriously full of bugs and problems and you know and not only issues with data quality but even things like we have data privacy issues especially in healthcare right mm-hmm. where we can't we don't have the freedom to yeah. do whatever we want with data because there are legal and regulatory and compliance issues when we do that a lot of it comes down to running your projects uh properly doing things in the right order being agile and iterative because what you do in the year 2021 probably is not how you would expect 22 to end up. And I can guarantee you projects you started in 2019 in the healthcare space did not end up how you thought they would in the year 2020 with a global pandemic and yeah. work from home and all that sort of stuff. So we encourage people, you know, uh, yes, of course, we're proponents of best practices and methodology. We're proponents of CPMAI, and we have a reason to be proponents of it. We're, we're, you know, we're behind it and all that sort of stuff. But it's, but there's a reason why we're behind it, right? Before CPMAI came out, we were, we were frustrated, just like many of you, with these problems, and we knew that, you know, great tech, great implementations are what we call the three-legged stool, right? You need to have great people, you need to have great technology, but you need to have great process and great methodology because. Great people and great technology can build anything, but that doesn't mean they'll build the right thing or they'll, they'll do the right, right thing. You got to have that. Without it, that you can't balance a, a stool on, on just two legs. So, uh, you know, thank you, KJ, so much. This has been a fantastic, honestly, one of our best podcasts. Uh, you've just been such a such a fantastic guest. We really appreciate you you participating yeah. and sharing your expert expertise with our audience. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to contribute and share knowledge anywhere I think it's going to help people. Um, and I mean, quite frankly, you gave me a platform to just talk all day. I mean, you, you, you probably should think twice before doing that again. <laughs> we, we might do that again. <laughs> so KJ, thank you so much. This has been such an incredible podcast. As Ron said, we always love talking to folks like you, you know, who can help share with our community how you really are, uh, you know, using your CPMAI certification for your own success. And for folks that are interested in learning more, we have upcoming webinars. Our podcasts are wonderful, but they're really, you know, one-way conversations where we get to talk to our audience and our webinars are two-way conversations. So come and we can uh, answer your questions live. If you're interested in attending, you can go to aitoday.live slash CPMAI. Again, that's aitoday.live slash CPMAI. We have a number of these coming up. So you can, uh, you know, as long as you go there, it will take you to the next upcoming webinar that we have. We encourage you to register. I know many people from our podcast have gone to that. Um, so we we always love to hear from you. Please do make sure to go check it out. Also, if you have not already done so, make sure to subscribe to AI Today podcast. You'll get notified of all our future episodes. We have a, a number of interviews scheduled that are going to really be just as awesome as this one. We also will be revisiting our AI failure series, talking um, you know, a little bit more in depth about how and why we see AI projects fail. Then we have a few other ones coming up that are really going to be wonderful as well. So I want to make sure you subscribe so you get notified of that. So thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, 
please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.